Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. It's Usman here from the Deenspiration Podcast Show, and welcome to episode 43 of the podcast, which actually is a bit of a different one this time round. Instead of our usual interview style discussion, today is a Ramadan special, and we have actually a Ramadan QA show today, answering the questions that you submitted. Um, over the past few days for our guest today, Sheikh Amr Jamil, to answer. Now we cover a range of different questions and answers uh, from things like Tarawih at home this year, especially because of the COVID-19 lockdown, right? Ramadan's going to be at home this year, to things like zakat, aid prayer at home perhaps as well, uh, what invalidates the fast, what you can, what you can't do, who should fast if they're ill, for example, and a lot more. So that's coming up in just a moment inshallah but before that I want to tell you a little bit about the Ramadan virtual hub created by the iSyllabus organization this year to provide you with round-the-clock content while you're at home this year in Ramadan so that you can continue learning and gaining the blessings of Ramadan even from the comfort of your own home and this is available right here actually on your smartphone from things like weekly virtual khutbahs to tafsir of the Quran on a nightly basis, videos for kids and teenagers as well and also things like an iftar reflection every single day and so much more. So here is how you get access to the Ramadan virtual hub by iSyllabus on your phone. The Ramadan virtual hub is accessed via the Moment Pin app. Head to the App Store and type in Moment Pin. Once downloaded, enter your details and create a new account. Then search for Ramadan 2020. Once inside, you'll have access to a range of content with topics such as Quranic Tafsir, the 99 Names of Allah, Nightly Iftar Reflections, Community Issues, a weekly virtual khutbah, videos for teenagers, a dedicated kids corner, content to boost your Ramadan productivity, a Q&A section and much more. Alright so go ahead inshallah and download Moment Pin today so you don't miss out on this daily content during Ramadan. Alright now let's get straight into today's episode featuring Sheikh Amr Jamil who's answering your questions on the fiqh of Ramadan. Hey everyone and welcome to this episode with Sheikh Amr Jamil. Let's get straight into the Q&A insha'Allah. Assalamualaikum Sheikh, how are you doing? Waalaikum salam wa rahmatullah. How's the, uh, the quarantine life going so far? Alhamdulillah, it's absolutely fine. Uh, you're not finding it a bit stressful being in isolation or are you, you managing alright? Not really because um, I remember like <clears throat> when, uh, when I was studying, a lot of my time was just spent you know, reading and um, like uh, just focused on like one thing, like mm-hmm. just studying. So I've done it before, so alhamdulillah, I don't, I don't, I'm not really finding it that difficult. Um, so it's fine. <clears throat> spend time with the kids, spend time with the wife. You can call everybody in WhatsApp anyway or FaceTime. So you go for a walk every day, do some gardening, paint the fence, cut the grass. I mean, um, and this is there's so much stuff I always have. I'm always playing catch up anyway. So the way I'm looking at it is, it's an opportunity to 
get a lot more done, inshallah ta'ala. Good, alhamdulillah. Okay, so let's get started, inshallah, Sheikh. Um, of course, this year, there is a lot more um, confusion out there in the community. People are intrigued about what we can do this year indoors, especially because we are inevitably going to be facing a Ramadan inside. So there's going to be no Jumu'ah this year for the first yep. time in many of our lives. There'll be absolutely no Tarawih for at least most of the month of Ramadan. So the first question that a lot of people are asking naturally then is when it comes to Jumu'ah Salah, when it comes to Tarawih prayer, um, how do we deal with this at home? So number one, are we, uh, can we pray Tarawih at home together? Um, and then what is the procedure for doing that? Because people are asking this question a lot because they're thinking, if I can't go to the masjid, can I pray at home? And if so, how does that work? Yeah, so alhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulullah, alaykum wa rahmatullah to everybody. Um, yeah, I mean, we're in a unique situation and uh, the sharia always adapts to every situation. I think the first thing to bear in mind is that the sunnah is actually to pray all your prayers in the home except the fard prayer. So even though we, we might go to the mosque and pray our prayers, you're actually supposed to pray your sunnah prayers in the home and only pray the fard in the, in the mosque. So, and the reason for that is to, to ensure that the house is alive with the worship of Allah. So one of the benefits um, of the situation we're in is actually people are now forced to pray in their homes more. So they're actually bringing a lot more barakah, a lot more light into their homes. Um, so that's actually a positive thing. And you can do the adhan as well in your house. You can get your children involved doing the adhan as well. Uh, so that's the first thing. Second thing is... Um, uh, we, obviously, in, in the situation we're in, uh, for Juma, we're not going to pray the Juma prayer because we can't go to Juma. We might be able to watch it or listen to it online, but we will pray our own Dhuhr Salah in the house. And we'll pray with our, our if, you have, if you can, pray with other people, so you pray in Jama'at. Um, and the Tarawih prayer itself, um, obviously, it's not as uh, stringent in terms of like, the Juma prayer is wajib upon, obligatory upon males. Uh, the Tarawih prayer is not an obligatory prayer. It's a heavily emphasized sunnah. In fact, I actually did a video about this because, like you said, this is a reoccurring question. Um, on, and I put it on my YouTube channel because it just kept, you know, people kept asking the question. And although a couple of contemporaries gave the fatwa that you can actually pray behind somebody who's in a like different location, like uh, by live stream, it's a very minority position held by a couple of Maliki scholars, uh, but the vast majority of schools um, say that you have to be in the same space. Hmm. So we're not going to pray, just like we don't pray behind the the Imam and the Haram, um, or we, you know, even though we can watch on TV, we do the exact same thing. We, will pr we can listen and take benefit from the khutbah, but we will do our own salah in our own time, in our own homes. Tarawih prayer will be similar. Tarawih prayer... Um, you know, we are used to praying it with uh, Jama'at and listening to, many times we listen to a juz uh, every night mm -hmm. and we finish the Quran usually on the 27th night. Um, that's not possible. Um, so the way uh, we can improvise, you could say, is to either listen to a juz every day. So you have get the same experience of listening to a juz every day, get a nice kari, um, and then just pray whatever you have memorized in the Salah and your Tarawih prayers. And sometimes it's good to repeat because it makes the memorization stronger. Mm. 
um, you know, in many many Muslim countries, when I was living there, they would just read parts of the the Juz Amma, the last Juz, over and over again. Um, so that's that's absolutely fine. You don't have to do a khatam. It's it's recommended. It's sunnah, but it's not an obligation. Mm. Um, or the other recommendation which I gave um, is that you pray your 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 fard prayer, your obligatory prayer, like your four rakats of Isha, your witr, just normally. And in the the witr in the sunnah prayer, which is the tarawih prayer, take the position of the Shafi school, which allows you to read from a mushaf. Um, so many of us are not half of the Quran, and in that way you can do a juz, you can read a juz in the salah, just the same way you hear the imam, you just read it yourself, so you can complete do a whole completion in the month of Ramadan yourself, and if you've got family, you can get them to um, follow you, uh, you know, behind you, um, and that's absolutely fine to do that, to take another position, uh, especially when it's not an obligation, so it's not a stringent uh, the only main thing you need to remember is in the Shafi school, the Basmala and the Fatiha are obligatory and um, you should make sure you don't miss that out. And also for females that they should cover their feet because it's it's from the aura, from the nakedness that they need to cover. If they're praying in congregation, the people behind also need to read their Fatiha. So when the Imam says Amin, should leave a gap and then allow people behind to, to pray the Fatiha. But if you did that and you prayed the normal way that you pray, you will cover all the aspects in the, the Shafi school. Uh, if you do your wudu as normally, like you don't leave out any sunnahs, again, your wudu will be covered in the Shafi school as well. Uh, and then, and this is actually also an opinion of the two companions of Abu Hanifa, Abu Yusuf, and Muhammad. They actually said, um, because in the Hanifi school, the problem is that the holding the Mus'haf and turning the pages is considered to be excessive movement, which breaks mm. prayer. But the two companions are of the opinion if you could um, read something, read without turning pages, but if you could read something, then it would be fine. So sometimes in Syria, what they used to do is they used to have, um, like the imam might have like one of these massive mushafs, really big ones, mm-hmm. on a stand, and then just put it there. So you got two pages, and you'd read one page in one rakah, another page in the second rakah, without actually um, turning pages. So you just stand up and you just read it. And that's fine, according to the two companions of Abu Hanifa. And then afterwards, he gives salams. He would just turn the page for the next two rakahs. So um, that's you know a, a position within the Hanafi school as well. So I think um, because of the situation we're in, and we want to make tarawih an ex- uh, spiritual experience only Ramadan that comes once a year. My recommendation would be just to take the Shafi position and uh, read the read a khatam yourself. Um, and that way, inshallah, uh, you know you you kind of still get the same. And it may actually even be better because you know yourself when you behind the imam you lose concentration, mm. uh, you know, mind drifts. But if you're reading it yourself, you probably more go, you're more likely to um, concentrate. And you can you can use like a phone as well if you wanted, just like scroll down the phone. So, so it's yeah, okay to have your phone in your hand, provided of course it's on airplane mode and that you're not distracted by WhatsApp yeah, messages. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Exactly. And if and somebody was scroll. to hold the mushaf physically in their hands while they pray, mm-hmm. if they took the shafi mm-hmm. position, what would be the situation then when that person has to then go into rukur and sujood? Uh, would they have to have somewhere to place the mushaf next to them? Yeah, so so what you should do is just have like a table next to you. So, uh, you know, when you go to rukur, you obviously close it. You put the, the ribbon there so you know where you are, you close it. You go into rukur and just put it on the table. And then go into um, 
you know, you usually you do your sajdas and when you come back up, just pick it up again. Great. So on to our next submitted questions. Um, again, to do with taraweeh. Um, so number one, is there a minimum required for a jama'ah? Um, there's also a question here about husband and wife praying together. Um, and also actually a female leading the prayer as well. Yeah, so the, the, you only need two people to have a jama'ah. So um, if it's you and another male, the male just stands slightly behind you. Um, or if it's you and your wife, she just stands behind you, or you and your mother, or you and your sister. Um, you know, all you need is two people in the house, and that's it. You've got a, a jamaat going, inshallah. Um, and the females leading other females in prayer, uh, that's permissible, and actually sunnah in the Shafi school, but it's considered to be makruh tahrimi, makruh tahrimi in the Hanafi school. So it's valid, but it's frowned upon. Um, so again, what I would probably say is if there are a few females, say let's say uh, one of the females is a hafid of Qur'an, mm -hmm. uh, she knows the, the Qur'an by heart and obviously she's got the ability to lead the prayer and um, do a khatam and the other females would benefit from it. Then what I would say is if they're like for the, the, say the Hanafis, I'd just say look, pray your fard as normal Hanafis and your witr as well and then during the taraweeh, again take the shafi position. Um, and as long as you do the the basmala and the fatiha and cover your feet, you'll be fine. And um, you can use you you can uh, just um, lead the prayer. The female can lead the prayer, um, and uh, do a khatam and you know a, a Quran. Uh, she just in terms of the standing and the line says three of them. She just stands slightly the imama stands slightly in front of everyone else, not a whole row in front like the like the. Uh, the Hanafi school the, the, in, in, like, sorry, for a meal so I think because um, the Tarawi prayer is not an ob and it's not a fard prayer and because it's not a fard prayer it's a bit easier to take another position it's a bit more relaxed mm. um, on the fard follow your school sunnah no problem take uh, Shafi school is one of the four schools a valid school just do a couple of things that you need to keep bear in mind and you know inshallah uh, uh, you've got to look at the benefit that it, that it can give the, the people praying, uh, especially in a lockdown situation, especially in our situation, we're really in need of a, of a spiritual lift. Mm. Someone's asking, is it better to pray Taraweeh at home or is it better for one to instead replace or use that time to make up their missed prayers from the past, their missed uh, fard prayers? Um, so it, this, this depends on the school that you follow. If you follow the Hanafi school, they say that you shouldn't leave an emphasized sunnah prayer um, and you should make up your missed prayers in the spare time. So in a lockdown situation, I imagine people have got a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. So plenty of time to make up their missed prayers. Um, but, but in the Shafi school, you can actually, um, you know, like if you're praying in, in Jama'at, say the Imams praying the Tarawi prayers, you can actually make the intention of Fard if you're praying behind the Imam. Um, but that's in the that's in the Shafi school. But in the Hanafi school, you don't leave the Sunnah Mu'akkada. If somebody's got like years and years and years, like they've got forty years of salat to make up, and they're really struggling, mm. um, then you could you could say, okay, just do uh, qada instead of uh, instead of like a Sunnah prayer. 
Perfect. Zakalakh Sheikh. So I hope inshallah that, that clarifies for people the uh, rulings on Taraweeh at home and that all of you are encouraged to still continue praying at home inshallah. On to fasting now, Sheikh. Um someone is asking now that in light of COVID nineteen, um uh, people are um worried that they might be experiencing some symptoms, they're unsure, uh they're feeling unwell, and they might think that A, um, I could have the symptoms and therefore my health is of utmost importance. Should I be fasting in that situation if I, for example, rely on medicine in order for me to get better and not, uh, you know, catch the deep end of the virus? So that, that <clears throat> I mean, whether it's COVID-19 or not, um, that's just a situation of somebody who's unwell. Um, so if somebody becomes unwell, um, and obviously, we, we know from fasting that if, if the person fasts, they're going to become more unwell. Um, or it might not be that they become more unwell, but um, their recovery will be delayed. So if the recovery was a week by fasting, it became two weeks. In both situations, the person uh, doesn't need to fast until they're better. Um, if we can get a, a doctor's opinion, many of us, one of the good things is that Muslim community is full of doctors. Yeah. So every, everybody knows somebody who's a GP or somebody who's a doctor. Uh, so if you can speak to a Muslim, because obviously they they fast, they know what fasting entails, and say, look, these are my symptoms. What do you think? And they say, yeah, don't. It's probably better, and you don't fast. So it's always good to get somebody else's opinion. But generally, the position is that if somebody's not well, marid as in the Quran says, "Fa'iddatu min ayyamin ukhar aw ala safar." So if you're if you're ill or you're traveling, then you can not fast and make them up um, at a later date, inshallah. Mm. Someone's asking, do I have to make up my missed fast from last Ramadan before I begin this Ramadan? Um, in the Hanafi school, there's no penalty. Um, you just have more fast to make up. Um, but in the Shafi school, if you don't do make up your fast from last Ramadan, then you have to give fidya for every day that you're supposed to have fasted. But in the Hanafi school, there's no penalty. You just have to make them up. Okay. Now, both of these next questions are a bit similar. Um, it's to do with being the only person fasting at home. One person is asking, I am the only one who fasts at home. Is it haram or impermissible for me to prepare breakfast and lunch for my siblings and the rest of my family? Um, depends if the person who she's preparing or he's preparing the food for is exempt from fasting. So it could be that the person's ill. It could be the person's extremely elderly. Um, usually it's, you know, it's like somebody that's got um, severe diabetes or something like that. Something where they've been told medically, they've got a medical condition that they shouldn't fast, like an elder. Um, then they're exempt from fasting. Or say, for example... Um, the, the female's menstruating so she doesn't have to fast so for people like that who are actually exempt from fasting mm. you can prepare food for them if it's somebody who is not fasting but should be fasting um, there's nothing wrong with them they're just choosing not to fast then you shouldn't be preparing food for them because you're um, helping them to sin against God mm. one person is saying that it's actually their for example their spouse 
um, their spouse isn't very practicing and they are, they have tried their best to explain but it causes a lot of animosity between their relationship and so the husband would expect the the wife to prepare food and if she doesn't um you know there's a bit of trouble there so in her situation what would you advise so i mean like i said we, we, you know there is no disobedience to the creator the, the the creator um in exchange for obedience to the created so uh, we can't um, relax these rules all i could say is for example she could make plenty of food and put it in the fridge mm. overnight then whenever he's hungry he of his own accord is going into the fridge and heating it up and eating it. So she's not then involved in that sin. Mm. In the situations where there's some someone might be a revert or convert to Islam and so the other people in their family aren't Muslim at all. So in that situation, would that be exempt because technically they don't believe in fasting at all? Yeah, yeah, that's different because they're they're they don't have to follow the Sharia anyway because they're not Muslims. Okay, someone's asking that I usually fast at least half of Ramadan without actually waking up for suhoor because I have nobody in my family to wake me up. Is it okay to stay awake until Fajr, then sleep during the daytime? I think what she means here is that um, she wants to stay up throughout the night in case she misses suhoor. Um, and she said that she heard that doing that actually reduces the reward of the fast. Is that the case? That's absolutely fine to do. Um, no problem whatsoever in that. Uh, when I was in Yemen, uh, they had an actual practice where I lived, where in Ramadan, they would actually flip the day around. Uh, they'd spend the entire night um, just um, uh, staying up. Then, like the whole, like if you went out in the street at two in the morning, it'd be basically jumping. Mm. Uh, so um, it's absolutely fine to do that. And they, what they would do is, Again, stay up all the way until the morning, and then in the morning they would, after Fajr prayer, they would um, uh, go to sleep. Usually from just after Fajr up to Dhuhr, and then get up for Dhuhr time, <clears throat> and then start the day again. So it's absolutely fine to do that. Okay, so as a follow-up question to that, then Sheikh, if somebody was to sleep throughout uh, the night and past Fajr, can that person still continue to fast the next day? Yes. Um, so, um, I mean, in the Maliki school, you just need one intention at the beginning of the month, and that suffices you. In the Hanafi school, um, you can actually make the intention uh, when you wake up, as long as uh, you're still in the first half of the day. So if you're still in the first half of the day, you can actually, so say this person woke up at 8, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the morning, 12 o'clock, um, well, yeah, but 12, up to about 12 o'clock, they can make the intention um, for for the, the fast of Ramadan. Someone's asking about inhalers, Sheikh. Um, this person has seen um, on different uh, uh, Ramadan timetables and other rulings that inhalers invalidate the fast. She's asking about her father, um, who is concerned about the respiratory uh, health that he has, especially in light of the virus going around. So he is taking his inhaler more often out of caution, um, just in case, because he feels that his lungs are a bit weaker. Now, for this person, when they're fasting, uh, can they continue using it? It's important to note here that they are not currently reliant upon it. Um, it's only out of caution. So when they're fasting, can they continue to take the inhaler or is it best to only do so when the fast opens? 
It depends on <clears throat> what the medical advice that the, the person's got. If he's asked a doctor and the doctor says, yeah, um, by taking an inhaler, it, it will actually uh, be a lot more beneficial for beneficial for you. And um, if you do catch uh, the, the COVID-19, it will enhance your chances of recovery from it, et cetera, et cetera. So in other words, medically, it's been, you know, it's not just him making it up. Medically, uh, he's got advice that it will actually benefit for him um, then he can he can he can use it I mean the general position on the inhaler is that it breaks the, the fast mm. but there is a minority of scholars who believe it does not break the fast um, and um, their evidence is I mean is reasonably strong so what I tend to say for people that use uh, inhalers is that you basically start the day and try not to use it but if it comes to a point where you need to use it um, then you use it and just, if there's absolutely nothing wrong with you, like like in every other way you can fast, then if you have to really use it, use it and just continue fasting. Um, but because, so so in other words, you're kind of going with the minority position to complete the fast, but because the majority um, say it breaks the fast, just make up that, make up that day um, when the days are really short, like in December, when it's like a nine, 10 hour fast as a precaution. Perfect. Zakhla Two of the next questions are quite similar. It's about having broken a fast in the past. So one person says, I broke a fast when I was younger and now I have fasted that day and repented and paid sadaqah. Will that be accepted? The second person said, I broke a fast once in the past, but I was unsure if this was before or after puberty, uh, as in maturity. Um, is kafara necessary? And should you follow that which you think is most likely? Um, what's the situation with that? How do you go about dealing with that? Yeah, so if you've made a, if you've broke a fast in the past deliberately, then you <clears throat> need to make up in the Hanafi school. If there was absolutely no reason to do it, then there's a kafara, which is to fast two months consecutively. Um, but um, in the situation like the other person, where they're not sure whether it was before puberty or after puberty, because if it was before puberty, they weren't. Um, it wasn't obligatory anyway. Then, uh, so what we'd say is, look, not sure. Um, the other thing is that there's a difference between breaking the fast and not fasting. So let me explain that. So in other words, if you, um, like you intended, you like that, remember that, that example you give the spouse, it just doesn't fast at all. Mm -hmm. because, he, because he has made no intention to fast, he actually... When he eats during the day, it's sinful, but he's not breaking a fast. If you not, I mean, he hasn't started a fast to break it. Mm, mm -hmm. the, the fast only it starts when you intend to fast, and then during the day you break it intentionally. Okay. So the intention, the intention basically commences the fast. Without the intention, that the fast hasn't actually began. You just sinful for eating and drinking. So the Hanafis basically say that the kafara is for spoiling a fast. Okay. Mm. So if you made the intention and you started off and then you broke it, then the kafara kicks in. If you just didn't fast at all, you maybe you were ignorant, you didn't understand, you didn't make any intention and just didn't fast that day, then you only need to make up that day. You repent, you give sadaqah, all these things, and inshallah, it's overlooked. So um, with the person who said that the, they were they were kind of, they can't remember, we would just say, look, um, did you actually spoil the fast or did you just not fast at all? Uh, you know, like some people say, oh, I had sports day that day, so I just didn't fast. Yeah. So they, they didn't actually have the intention to 
to to begin the fast to actually break it. They just mm. didn't fast at all. So if you didn't fast at all, there's there's no kafara. They just make well, you just make up that one day. Uh, if you hadn't started the day fasting and then broke it, then there's a kafara of the two consecutive months. If it's for that person who just doesn't know and say they're eighty percent certain it was before puberty, then just say look, go with the just go with um, your your what you're more certain of. And uh, I mean, even and if it's too difficult to to do like two months uh, consecutively for whatever reason it is, mm. you can do it. You can do it in the winter, December, January. You can do two months consecutively. But say that person um, is unable to do that for whatever medical reasons or whatever it is, right? Um, maybe the underweight. I don't know. Uh, then you can say, look, take the shafi position, which is that um, the kafara is only for breaking the fast. Um, due to sexual intercourse and not if it's just eating and drinking then it's just that day you make up obviously it's self sinful and you repent and of course if someone accidentally breaks the fast that doesn't count for them right this ruling if you accidentally break the fast um, you can actually just continue because if you well if you forget continue fasting and not continue eating right (laughs) yeah so what, what happens is if I was fasting and I just completely forgot that I was fasting um, and then I remembered, oops, well, I'm still fasting. Then your 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 fast is actually valid. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do anything. If you accidentally broke it, like you're gargling and, and doing wudu and not supposed to be, but you swallowed it, then um, yes, the, the fast is spoiled, um, but you only need to make up that day. You don't have to do kafara. Perfect. Speaking of kafara, someone is asking, can one take the Maliki position to pick what kafara to do? As the Malikis allow the person to choose, and if one has done it in the past, even though they do not any longer follow the Malikis school of thought anymore, um, back then they did. Is that accepted? Depending on on, on what the reason for for doing that is, um, if it's like I said, a, if there's a genuine reason for it, mm. like the person was underweight, bulimic, or something like that, so it was just causing them undue hardship to try to do two months then it's fine to have taken the Maliki position. If it's just because, oh, that's a bit hard, isn't it? Two months and I didn't even attempt it. <laughs> then you'd say, look, no, if you're young and healthy, you know, give it a shot. You know, um, I mean, the whole world's into this intermittent fasting now, all these athletes. So mm. 16 hours, you don't eat. Eight hours, you, you eat for. So um, that can, I mean, in December, you're only, you've only got a nine and a half hour fast. Literally, you can have your breakfast at six in the morning have a good breakfast and break your fast at four o'clock. So it's just like a late lunch. So that can be easily done over two months if you're young, fit and healthy. Um, and so, you know, you need to kind of make uh, an attempt if there's no reason. If there was a genuine reason for it, um, then, you know, we could say, well, okay, fine. You can take another school of thought because you have a genuine reason to do that. But if you don't have any reason, just being lazy or just... Um, um, not attempting it, then you need to give it a, a shot first. Okay, so next question here, Sheikh. Uh, both are actually quite similar. Um, number one, does steam or smoke from cooking or burning scents invalidate the fast? They follow up to say that if it's already in the air as opposed to smelling it directly from the burner itself. Second question is about scents and perfume. Does that break the fast if you smell it? Yeah, so if it's if it's um, uh, like steam or cooking or whatever, and it's just in the atmosphere, and you're just walking about the house and you smell it, 
then it's not going to break your your fast. If it's something which has a body, like you can actually see, you know, the steam coming out the the pot, and you put your head over it and inhale it, then it will break your fast. Um, so if, it, if if you can't see a body, a particular body, but you can smell it in the in the atmosphere, it's fine. Um, and s same thing with um, um, smelling perfume, or whatever. If you like, you know, do the air freshener, and it's a big, you know, mist, and you breathe it in, then it will break the fast. But if it's if there's if there's no physical body that you can smell it, right? You can smell there's there's musk or there's there's, there's ether or whatever it is, but mm. you can't actually see anything. Then you're okay. Someone's asking why does taking medication invalidate the fast when it's not actually for nourishment? Um, so it's 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 based on um analogy qiyas um on food and drink because food and drink uh, gives benefit to the body, um. And same thing with medicine. Medicine gives benefit to the body. So um, if there's a genuine excuse to take it, uh, as you know, if you're if you're if you become unwell and you need to take medicine, then that's different. You can break your fast because you become unwell. Um, if you're unwell and you're taking medicine, and you you probably not should be fasting anyway. But um, we're talking about a situation where there's nothing wrong with you. There's absolutely nothing wrong with you, right? And you go and have an ice cream, your your, your fast breaks, or you go and drink uh, a bottle of cowpool or a cough mixture or something, right? Your fast is going to break because it's still got something which has got it nourishes the body, even though it's medicine, mm. and you have no reason to take it. There's no reason for you to take it. If you have a reason to take it, then you're going to be excused anyway. Sure. And just for fun, Sheikh, because of course you don't get asked it enough times every year. Can you use toothpaste when you're fasting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know the toothpaste question. I used to get that every single year, several times by different. You know, on WhatsApp, every single person. And the thing is, you just get you get tired of answering the question. I think it was you who told me. I can't remember who it was. Someone said, "Look, just do a YouTube video and yeah. just <laughs> send out the link every year." So I did a YouTube video on it last year. Uh, I should have done it years ago. But basically, the, the, the point is, um, if something goes down your throat, it breaks the, the fast. But if um, it's something like, for example, in wudu, you, you put water in your mouth, you gargle it, and you spit it out, uh, it doesn't break the wudu, right? Even mm -hmm. though there's something, I mean, there's, there's going to be some remnant of, remnant of water, isn't there? But it's, mm -hmm. it's so, it's so uh, little, it's overlooked. So the um, same thing applies with, with toothpaste. If you apply a little amount um, and it just bre it freshens up your, your breath, but you, you basically just spit it out and make sure that you, to the best of your ability, it's not in your mouth, then it's, it's going to be considered uh, permissible. But because um, you have put something in your mouth and uh, there is a possibility that you might swallow it by accident or something like that as you're brushing teeth, you might like a, 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 a gulp or something. Mm -hmm. Because you because you're putting yourself in the slight amount of danger, it's considered to be disliked. Because putting anything in the mouth where there's a danger that could be swallowed is is disliked. So then uh, you mentioned earlier, Wodo, um, I take it then, so in the ghusl, uh, we have to put water in our mouth 
um, and we gargle as well. So in the situation where you're scared, you, you have to perform ghusl before you can pray. Um, but the gargling part um, worries you. You're, you're worried in case you might swallow water. What would you do in that situation? So in wudu and also in ghusl, when it comes to fasting, you do not exaggerate. So you only put uh, water in the mouth, swirl it about in your mouth, spit it out. You don't gargle. Uh, you don't do it in ghusl, you don't do it in, in, in wudu. And even when you put water in your nose, you don't put it up to the hard part of your nose. You put it to the soft part of your nose in both ghusl and uh, wudu because of the Perfect. danger that you make. Sure. Zakalakhir. Moving on to now the topic of uh, zakat. Um, can we give zakat to people suffering from financial difficulty because of the current COVID-19 coronavirus climate? Say, for example, they're financially burdened, business loss, wealth loss, etc. Yes, I mean, uh, I mean, we have ca clear categories of people we give zakat to. Um, in that category is somebody who's in debt. In that category is somebody who's faqir or miskin. Um one being somebody who's got like next to nothing like a homeless person, but the other person is poor, meaning they do not have what's called the nisab in, in Arabic. Nisab is basically 87.5 grams of gold. Um, and I was teaching a lesson the other day, so I checked the price of gold and it worked out to be 3,808 pounds. So it fluctuates, obviously, depending on the value of gold. So if that person doesn't have four grand spare in their in, in excess of what all the other things they have um then they will be eligible to to receive zakat so if the person's just got a home a car um you know the, the basics um of, of life but they don't have any savings um or savings of a thousand pounds or two thousand pounds and that's it then they will be eligible to be given zakat too but if they have savings of say five thousand pounds six thousand pounds or they have um excess um, you know, things like, for example, they have a second home mm. um, which they rent out, then uh, obviously because they have, they might not have three or four thousand pounds as savings, but they have extra stuff that they could sell and that would be over four four thousand pounds. So mm. in, the, in the normal circumstance, say the person's got one home, one car, one phone, one laptop, you know, books, clothes, just the usual stuff. We don't look at that. We just look at what's the excess uh, wealth they've got. If they don't have, um, if they have savings of less than, say, £4,000, then we could help them out. Or if they've gone into debt um, because they've lost their job or whatever, then, again, somebody who's in debt, we can give zakat to as well. Jazakallah khair. And regarding zakat al-fitr, or some people call it fitrana, um, is that paid only by the head of the household? Or does everyone uh, individually have to pay it for themselves? I mean, the the general culture that we have is the, the head of the house pays it because a small amount, it's nominal, four or five pound. So if the head of the house pays it, then it absolves everybody um, of it. I mean, I remember for years, my father would just give it on behalf of everyone. Um, so it's not a problem. But if, if, for example, he didn't give it, then it'd be an obligation upon me to, to pay it. And does that include only those who are mature or children as well? Yeah, so basically um, you, you pay for all the, the members of your, your, your family, inshallah. Zakala khair. Okay, so on to the Eid prayer now, um, end of Ramadan. 
So if the Masajid are still closed at this time, um, what would happen then to the kind of communal obligation of, of praying the Eid prayer? Um, can we pray Eid prayer at home in Jama'ah with our family? Do we have to? Um, and if so, how should we go about doing that? Eid prayer, if we're still in a lockdown situation, um, there will be no Eid prayer for us to, to pray. Uh, we will not pray Eid prayer. So in that case, we just pray the Dohar prayer at home, right? We just pray our normal prayers at home. There'll be no, there's no, like, Dohar has a substitute, which, uh, sorry, Juma has a substitute, which is Dohar. Um, but there's certain things which have no substitute, like the Janaza prayer doesn't have substitute. Eid prayer doesn't have a substitute. So we would just, um, we just pray our normal prayers and that's it. But there'd be no Eid prayer. Sure. And lastly, Sheikh, that's it for the questions. But generally speaking then, do you have any kind of final words of advice um, for those this year who are really anxious about Ramadan, being at home, um, boredom sets in, there's a sadness in the air, the atmosphere and the, the Ramadan spirit really isn't as alive um, and people are very concerned that they won't have the spiritual buzz or the energy to carry out their worship, um, especially those at home who don't really feel that at home and they depend uh, on the masajid and that kind of exterior motivation. Like myself, for example, I really enjoy going to Tarawih prayer, um, iftar with my friends, etc. Uh, what can you advise us and, you know, just to keep our spirits up this year in Ramadan during lockdown? Yeah, I mean, alhamdulillah, I think there's quite a lot of things online um, that are going on that people can, can uh, engage with. Um, and also, it's about, see, it's all about your mentality. It's about what you make of a situation. So one situation is, oh, I'm stuck at home. I'm in a lockdown. Oh, I don't know how to pass my time. Another attitude is, okay, Allah's put me in a lockdown. There must be wisdom in this. So let me use this as an opportunity. So, for, so for example, um, getting fit, right? You don't have to uh, go to the gym to get fit. You could, if you did press ups, hundred press ups every day, when the end of the lockdown, you'd have some serious muscles, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? So, um, I mean, you know, you can, you know, every aspect of your life. I mean, there might be books that you've, you've not, you've not been able to catch up on. Maybe you've struggled to read Quran in the past. Uh, and this gives you a chance to do a khatam or do two khatams. Um, you know, so I think use this as an opportunity. We might never get a Ramadan like this ever again. Uh, you might never have this amount of time in your life ever again. Mm. So time is so important. It's like a commodity, right? Mm. Uh, time is money, I say. So the way I look at this, this Ramadan is this is an opportunity that God has given me. I've got so much time. Like that sister was saying, um, you know, there's nobody to, to, to stay up in the house uh, to keep her up for Suhoor. So she's going to stay up the entire night and then sleep, maybe like to, to midday or something. Mm. She's never going to get that opportunity ever again to to stay up in, during the night because in a normal situation, you need to go to work. You need to mm. get up 7, 8 in the morning, right? This is probably one time you can actually change your, your you can flip your entire schedule to whatever you want. You could stay up all night and sleep half the day, you know, you'll never get to do that ever in your life. So the night, Ramadan, you can get so many things done. Because remember, you're eating and drinking during the night. You can have a coffee, you can have a tea. So you've got plenty of energy in, in, in the time between Maghrib and Fajr. And you can get a lot done in six, seven hours. 
um, you know, if you use that wisely, and then rest during the during the day. So, I would say make yourself a, 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 a challenging schedule, not just a schedule, but a challenging schedule. Push yourself, and keep yourself uh, occupied. Um, and the thing is, there's there's lots. I think there's lots happening online. Even a lot of mosques are doing reminders. Mm. Um, our our I syllabus, we're doing a number of things. Uh, to keep the community going, so tap into that, um, and um, you know, use use the t- just really see it as an opportunity. As you know, every Ramadan, what happens? It begins, and before you know, it finishes, isn't it? it just the time flies. Yeah. Yeah. It goes so, so quickly. So to get the most out of it, and it will go, it'll go quickly as well. This time, even though we're at home, the, to get the most out of it, um, you know, you need to uh, give yourself a robust schedule and a challenging one so that you can uh, push yourself and the thing is it really is what you make out to be i mean i've been i've been running around my garden um building up you know my my stamina because i thought right okay i'm gonna i got this like um picture about how to run 5k uh you know in um i I mean i don't like running i'm more of a weights person but Mm. um you know in in nine weeks and what you do is just kind of slowly slowly build it up uh, you run a little bit, you walk, and you run a little bit, you walk, and then you just keep building it. So I thought, Khalas, you know, um, you know, by the end of the lockdown, inshallah, if I can run 5K, that's fantastic. You know, and in between, you know, you use your own body weight. You don't have to have weights. You can use your own body weight. Um, so what I'm saying is you improvise, you know, for your health. Um, and the same thing with your, your time. So it's a, a, a brilliant opportunity to actually stay up at night for a change. I mean, I've done it because I, when I was in Yemen, we used to do this regularly, and it's amazing. It really is amazing if you can stay up at night, because what happens is you have so much time. Uh, you, you know, you, you break your fast, you have time. You go and do tarawih prayers. You come back, you do a bit of tafsir, and you've got like three, four hours mm. before you need to, go to sleep. And those three, four hours, it's calm. The kids are asleep. You know, there, there's there's no noise. It's complete peace and serenity. You can, you know, you read up. You can get Quran done. You can get so much done in that time. Um, and then, you know, you've got the day to to rest. So I would say make yourself a challenging, robust, um, you know, challenge yourself. Make a, mm-hmm. You know, all these get like um, charities, you know, ch- you know, this challenge, that challenge, you know, climb this mountain or whatever. There's always, ch- you're challenging yourself, isn't it? And, and basically part of the, the excitement is, you know, pushing yourself to see, can I do it? Same thing with Ramadan, just like really push yourself, give yourself things which you've never done before. So you just say, right, this Ramadan, I'm going to do something I've never done my entire entire life. I'm going to do, if, 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 all, if, if every year I've done one Khatam, this year I'm doing two, right? I used to do a hundred La ilaha illahs every day. I'm going to do a thousand this year. Mm. And just really, really, you know, give yourself a target. And you'll be amazed when you have a target, how much you can you can achieve, inshallah. So see it as an opportunity. I love that mindset, Zakalak Sheikh, for your insights and that advice. I hope, inshallah, those watching uh, will take heed. Thank you once again for an- uh, answering those questions for us.
All right, that was today's episode featuring Sheikh Amr Jimiono. I don't know about you, but I found that extremely insightful and very beneficial. Um, certainly answered a couple of questions that I had, and I hope that inshallah now, those of you who did submit your questions have found the answers that you were looking for. Now, if you do enjoy these types of Q&A episodes, let us know inshallah, give us your feedback, and inshallah we can bring you more episodes just like this. Thank you so much for tuning in today, whether you've been listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or SoundCloud or watching with us here on YouTube. It's been wonderful to have you. Please do go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel or our podcast apps, inshallah, to catch future episodes just like this. And of course, don't forget to leave us a positive five-star review. We do love hearing from you. From me and the Inspiration team, have an incredible Ramadan and do stay tuned here on the podcast and also on our social media channels. All the links are going to be down here below for daily and weekly content to keep you motivated and inspired throughout the month of Ramadan. I've been Usman. Until next time, may Allah bless you, protect you and keep you safe during these testing times. Assalamu alaikum. ورحمه الله وبركاته الله 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 الله